I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In my defense, uh, I was um, not expecting a ball thrown to my face, I guess. You got to expect everything. This is Radio Motherboard. I am Jason Kebler, and I've got Lorenzo. I have Hello. our contractor, staff writer, person, Carrie Paul. Hi. And I have Nicholas DeLeon. Hello. And today we are going to talk about all sorts of things, but we're going to start with the debate last night. I guess if you're listening to this, it won't be last night, but for us, it was last night. And... Nicholas watched the debate in virtual reality. Nicholas, why the hell would you ever want to watch a debate in virtual reality? I mean, I don't know if that's really the question to ask, why you would want to watch a debate in virtual reality. But I did watch it in virtual reality because uh, CNN had made a great big deal of the fact that it was the first uh, live VR broadcast. And I thought that would be a sort of just fun, you know, a fun thing to experience. I have no particular interest in the debates uh, so I sort of thought I would be like a, a non-interested observer, just sort of observe how the uh, the uh, tech angle played out. Why aren't you interested? It's just because it's like a year and a half away, the election. How could you pay attention this far in advance? Yeah, that's true. CNN was the first to have those holograms for like the election. Was it 2012, was it 2012 2008 yeah. maybe? I feel like it was 2008. Like they were very uh, early in the hologram world. Well, when I spoke to CNN yesterday, they were very they were keen to stress how, you know, they have a a, a, a proud history of like trying to innovate via te- you know via technology. They were the first sort of cable you know twenty four seven cable news network, uh, and like you said, the hologram. So they're they're always trying to like find some new new flashy thing to say we're first to this. Yeah. So is, is it fair to say that CNN is on the cutting edge of useless technology right now? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, that that's that's the thing is like I don't think VR is useless at all. I think it's really cool, and I think it has there's like a lot there. Uh, but my main sort of issue with the whole event was that I don't know that a that a debate is really necessarily the best venue for VR uh, because in my mind, like VR is it's you know it's virtual reality. It should be able to take you you know I, you know I was thinking like oh you know you play a video game. I'm shooting aliens on Mars. You know. Odds are you, you know, Lorenzo, are not going to shoot aliens on Mars anytime soon. Uh, you know, also it could be used for things like, you know, visiting the Great Wall of China, taking a virtual tour of like the Louvre and things like that. It's like the average American is probably not going to be doing those things. So giving that person like a VR sort of uh, trip or journey is is really valuable. Uh, but, you know, asking someone to watch a debate where a bunch of people are speaking into microphones I mean, we've all sat in an auditorium. We've all watched people give speeches. There's nothing really that novel or unique to that experience was my uh, my biggest uh, complaint, I guess. That's surprising. Not surprising, I guess, since you are a consumer tech guy, but uh, you are one of the few people who thinks that virtual reality is cool. Um, <laughs> I have tried it, and it's always kind of dumb. Um, okay, that's fair. I don't know. I think it does have a... 
you know, a future in gaming, yeah. probably. You like it? Yeah, I'm pro-virtual reality. Why? What have you done in virtual reality? Um, I just, I covered a project I saw recently that was um, virtual reality street harassment. So I think it's useful for things like that where you can't necessarily experience your, yourself how something feels. Um, and I tried it and it was actually kind of realistic. So you basically, like, take... Can you play the role of like a woman getting street harassed? I would yeah, assume it, it was like a game. I mean, that's probably a bad term for it, but you just had to walk to your train stop. She actually based it on Bushwick, so it was like my neighborhood, and I just felt like I was reliving my walk in the morning. It was very accurate, and she purposely placed the virtual reality kind of perspective from the headset as like small and more vulnerable. So it was like a way to make people feel kind of something you wouldn't be able to feel. Yeah. I think for things like that, it definitely has a future and for games. And I think virtual reality is cool, but it makes me nauseous often and it makes a lot of people nauseous. And maybe, I mean, yeah. So tell what, like, what was the debate like? I mean, where were you sitting? Like, I would Uh, assume you couldn't walk around. Sitting on my couch. No, no. (laughs) Uh, No, basically, what it was was uh, CNN worked with a company called Next VR. Uh, Next VR produced the entire VR portion of the debate. And basically what happened was you, you, there were several different camera angles throughout the throughout the venue. One of them was like you were, you know, just to the side of Anderson Cooper. One of them is you're just, you know, directly in front of Hillary and Bernie. One is like you're behind and to the left of uh, of all the candidates. And one's like you're a little bit more inside the uh, the crowd. So they, they controlled what actual angles you, you were situated at. But from there, you could sort of, you know, look around and pan around up and down, left and right to get a sense of like, you know, the space in the venue uh, was sort of the, the, the you know, the, the gimmick of the entire evening. That's pretty cool. I mean, it's probably like a little bit cooler than watching it on regular TV. Like, yeah, I, I, I would say, yeah, I would say yeah to that. And, and I mean, technically, it I didn't really have any problems. Uh, I mean, it absolutely killed the battery in my phone. Like the bat- the phone was basically dead by the time uh, I had wrapped up. Uh, and uh, it, it was also sort of generally like a little blurry. Uh, like it was not like it was not at all as crisp as watching on an HGTV. So you, re- I mean, you know what Hillary Clinton looks like, but like you, you couldn't really make out like her her facial features type of thing. So it's still, I mean, that'll of course get better as as the new versions come out. But uh, that was that was a little troubling. And also just just to wear that headset for like two hours, it's kind it gets kind of heavy. Uh, and it's really not the most comfortable thing to wear with glasses. I, actually, I had to put on my contacts because, like, it was just not cooperating with my glasses. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would say technically, it, you know, I had no major problems. But, again, I, I just don't know that that's, like, the, the killer app for VR. I assume it works by, like, they film a 360-degree view from multiple cameras. Yeah, there's—I there's, uh, saw—I was at a Google thing uh, a couple months ago where basically— it's uh yeah it's a 360 camera setup they've got cameras pointed you know you know all 360 degrees and you know depending on how you sort of orient uh the headset you get whatever sort of camera you know view from there yeah i have one quick virtual reality story and then we can move on uh a couple weeks ago i went to a virtual reality party at a bar which uh was quite cool that sounds fun yeah it was uh sponsored by popular science and they basically okay. had like a bunch of cardboards which are like uh google's yeah, really yeah, yeah. low rent like you stick a phone in a cardboard viewfinder type thing and it does virtual reality which is very cool and they had some oculuses and free beer and <laughs> um they had all these demos and i thought it was cool i've done virtual reality a few times but the weirdest thing was the one everyone was freaking out about was like a virtual school 
And this is supposed to like make you see why virtual reality is so awesome. And it's like the lamest like <laughs> Nintendo 64 graphics <laughs> of like a school and nothing's happening in it. It's like an architectural design like app. And you just like walk around the school and you have to use a controller to do it. You can't even use the joystick. You have to like nice. click around with like the buttons and you can look around and it's cool. But they're like, how did you think that was? Like, was it awesome? And I was like, I, why would I ever want to do that? That right. like, was so stupid. And I, I feel like that's why people don't really love virtual reality yet is because a lot of the demos are kind of like advertiser driven or they're these demos they aren't really like uh full-on apps and games and videos yet like one of the other times i did it was a dos equis ad in virtual reality and you just kind of sat in the room with like the most interesting man in the world and he talked at you and then like a tiger attacks you sure it was kind of course. cool but it's like why why what's the point of this i guess well i mean <clears throat> i'm gonna get some dos after this so i mean i guess it worked but yeah i mean that's that 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 story you just told that sort of reminds me of the book uh, Masters of Doom, which was uh, came out a couple of years ago. It was about the creation of the game, uh, the video game Doom, and like the idea of sort of the story was that, you know, the technology at the time was like so primitive. Like they can get a, gather around the big CRT computer monitor and be like, "Oh man, look at this!" And like today we would look at those graphics and be like, "Well, that's obviously garbage. How could you ever have been excited about that?" And I sort of feel that's where VR is today, where it's like it's just so getting started that we're we're just seeing like random like random popular science parties and these are the sort of weird demos they're showing uh so i, I you know I, I wouldn't be quick to sort of just say it's great right now or it stinks right now i would say it's it's just so early uh but i mean there's a reason why facebook bought oculus for what two billion dollars uh because it's has the potential to be like a, a big platform for for brands and advertisers and such and, and other fun things that make life worth living i suppose right right so you are welcome to stick around if you want but if you have to go we are going to change to topics okay. okay all right goodbye nicholas Take care, thank guys. you for coming enjoy the rest of the show okay bye, bye. <clears throat> Carrie, what uh, story did you work on this week that we're going to talk about? Um, I wrote about how people's Tinder and OkCupid matches are showing up on Facebook's suggested friends. This happens to me all the time, I feel like. I always wonder how suggested friends on Facebook works. It's kind of like on your newsfeed, and it's people who all look vaguely familiar, and some people, some of them are uh, basically people who you know, but you don't want a friend, like you know, people I went to high school with or something. And then there's people who are, yes, like Tinder matches or someone I emailed one time or people who I've seen before. And it's like, how does Facebook know that I know this person? Because we have no mutual friends and it makes no sense. So how does this work? Do you know? Um, this is one of those stories that was kind of born out of um, people I know complaining about the same thing a lot. And then I decided to look into it. Um, I think my friend Maria's direct quote was, uh, please base an article off of my awkward dating life. Because <laughs> um, at one point she was seeing six different Tinder matches as her suggested friends, and it's never like a successful date. It's always somebody that like you would maybe rather forget about, so it becomes kind of like algorithms annoying you. Um, so, of course, I reached out to Tinder and Facebook. Initially, it makes you kind of paranoid, like, are Tinder and Facebook sharing information? Um, we ruled that out for a variety of reasons. Um, reason number one, that Facebook and Tinder both said that that's not something they do. 
Um, I also spoke with somebody who is really familiar with both of their APIs, and he said there's no reason to believe, based on how that they're built, um, that they would be sharing information back and forth. Um, so I think the my two theories are one, um, obviously contact syncing. Um, you can opt to sync your contacts in your phone with the Facebook app. Um, so any contact in your phone goes into Facebook. Um, so if you've saved any of your tender dates numbers in your phone, you might see them pop up, um, or if they saved your number. Um, but some people I spoke to said that they never saved any numbers and that they were just talking in the app. Um, so my theory for that is that maybe they searched their Tinder date before they went out with them or the other the Tinder date searched them. Um, Facebook didn't confirm that searches are built into their suggested friends algorithm, but that's my my theory for the non-contact related ones. Right. That's like one of the, the annoying thing is we don't know and Facebook won't tell us. And, right. you know, there's all these different types of apps that kind of base your search results on what you searched before or base, you know, your suggested friends on who you've emailed or even sometimes like where you've been. Like if you checked in somewhere and maybe someone else checked in there a bunch of times, like who knows, maybe that's why, where it's getting your name from. And it's very kind of creepy that we don't know how they work exactly. Um, and you see these posts pop up on Reddit from time to time or like people talking on tin, uh, on Twitter about like I was watching a commercial for Mexican food and then I got a Facebook ad for Taco Bell, um, which, you know, they say it's like Facebook is using your phone's microphone to hear like what's going on. And that like hasn't necessarily been confirmed or not. But the fact that we're kind of in the dark as to how it works is like kind yeah, of, like yeah. So Lorenzo, do you have any insight into this? Because you know all about privacy and well, uh, well, first of all, I really like the story because it kind of showed, I mean, even though we didn't really like find out why this is possible, it laid out all the possibilities and they all sort of made, made, made sense and also reminded us that, you know, we don't really know, as you, as you said, Jason, we don't really know how these things work. And, this, and I feel like um, people are not as creeped out by this as they used to be. You know, like I remember a couple of years ago when there was that big story of like Target sending um, a couple their like catalog for baby baby clothes before they even like or before the wife even told his husband that she was pregnant or something like that. People freaked out. They're like, "Whoa, how is this possible?" Uh, it's I can't believe this. And now people are sort of more used to it. I feel like that wouldn't even register these days. Like maybe it would for a day or something. But that was a huge story when that broke. Yeah, that was huge. And now we kind of like, oh yeah, like our you know advertisers really know a lot about us. But this like this Tinder story was creepy because it was like you know I don't want to you know I don't want to like know about this guy that it was a creep during our my date or something and he's showing up in my Facebook. Um. But yeah, I think that the biggest story here is that like, you know, so much of our life now is digital that um, stuff is happening completely outside of our uh, understanding. Right. Yeah. I mean, it could be any number of reasons why Facebook is saying you probably know this person and we can't pinpoint it because it's just so many like different different noise points that, you know, are it's coming from. Um, and I mean, yeah, I notice this all the time and there's a quote in there. I forget from who I'll find out in a minute, but he basically mentions that maybe it's a psychological thing where it's like, 
oh, I had a bad day with that person or oh, I had a Tinder match with them and now I see them on my face. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Facebook, and this must be happening for everyone. Um, But we're just kind of like predisposed to notice that sort of thing. Um, do you think that there's like a psychological aspect here as well or not? I think so. And I think part of it is kind of algorithms bumping into each other, this weird, I guess, landscape that we live in where we have all these different ways of finding people and meeting people. And it's, it kind of makes you wonder, especially if it's OkCupid, Tinder, whatever. Um, I feel like if you use different dating apps, you always see the same people in your geographic area. That makes you kind of realize how many people are just out of your social reach or people you might pass on the internet or like on the street literally with Happen or other location-based apps. So it kind of becomes a coincidence of like, yeah, maybe I should know this person or it's not unreasonable for Facebook to think I might know this person. Right. So here's uh, the quote. It's from David Lieben Noel, who's a computer science professor at Carleton College. Um, And he said, my hunch is that Facebook is using names you search for or profiles you viewed to suggest friends to you. Uh, it would be silly for them not to. If you've shown an interest in a person while using Facebook, then you've as good as told Facebook that you might want to have some kind of relationship with them. Um, and then he said, um, I'm sure some of what's going on is a purely psychological effect. You'd probably never remember any of the total strangers whose pictures pop up as suggested friends. Um, and that's a pretty good point as well because you know if you are going to go on a date with someone you have like their first name and kind of a reasonable amount of data with about them so you might be able to google them or like maybe they show up on facebook and you like search them on facebook and you click their profile and then you forget about it and three weeks later it's it facebook remembers that you click their profile and they pop up again um so that could be happening but really, like, who knows? And the only people who really know here are Facebook, and they're not telling. So if you work for Facebook and know how this works, call Carrie. Yes, please. <laughs> Should I give my number on the podcast? Uh, Just kidding. Yeah. That, that hasn't been a problem for me. I actually got a text from uh, someone the other day uh, from giving my number out on the podcast saying good story, which is really nice. And I was like, who is this? Because I changed phones and he's like a podcast listener. Um, Anyways, (laughs) uh, we've got one more topic and it's also kind of creepy, I guess, or maybe just like more of the same. But uh, Uber fucked up again. Uh, A big security breach happened this week. Uh, Lorenzo uncovered it on an Uber forum and Reddit of all places and this screw up is just so uber it's very similar to some of their past screw ups and what happened yeah basically we don't know exactly how this happened but basically what happened is that uh, yesterday uh, if you were an uber driver and you logged into your partner's app which is like an app that uh, drivers can use to like manage their accounts and uh, check some data 
um, basically instead of seeing your only your own documents, like you say, your, your driver's license that you uploaded to Uber, you would see pretty much everyone's driver's license. Not everyone, but it was like Uber said that um, the six the the documents for 674 drivers were available to pretty much everyone that was a uber driver and it's worth reminding that to become an uber driver it's like very easy you just have to sign up uh, watch a video and you're basically a driver so anyone in that like window of time where this data was available could have like accessed it it's unclear how long this was going on. Uh, some people started reporting it like in the afternoon, yes, on Wednesday, on Tuesday, um, and uh, Uber fixed it around like five or six um, on the same day. Uh, Uber says that they fixed it 30 minutes after they were notified. Some people uh, dispute that. Some drivers dispute that. But so we don't know that exactly. Right. I think in the grand scheme of things, this is not that big of a security breach. But I think it speaks more to the fact that it speaks more to this whole sharing economy we've set up, which uh, is a buzzword right now, but it's very much the truth. A lot of people are freelancers or uh, they kind of just have to work for various places. And in order to get paid, you have to upload a bunch of documents. And normally when you get paid, I guess in the old system, you kind of take your papers to your employer and you give it to them and they stick in a file somewhere. Maybe they have it on their, uh, you know, internal network. And sometimes these things get breached like in the Sony hack or several other hacks and they get out. But when you have such a decentralized workforce and you are getting your money from say three or four or five different companies because you're working for a bunch of different people, you have to upload, you know, your social security number and your ID through these like insecure web portals and then they're hosted by all sorts of people on a platform that is ac accessible by people all over the internet. And, you know, this is a glitch for, it seems like it's a glitch. Um, it's something that shouldn't have happened, but it's something that happens all the time. And I think once you start spreading out your data so like thinly, it's just going to happen more and more often. Yeah, and I agree that this wasn't like, you know, this wasn't like a disastrous data breach. You know, for all we know, this data was available only for a couple of hours. And again, it only affected 600 drivers. I mean, I guess only it's a relative term. And I'm sure if you were one of those drivers, you're not very happy that your social security number was visible to everyone um, or, you know, to everyone who was looking. Um, and but to your point that like the bigger issue is like companies just amassing a lot of data and putting it online without too many precautions. There was a, a lot of the drivers are, you know, unsurprisingly were pissed and they voiced their complaints in the same forum where they spotted this. And one of them said, um, even though Uber is a technology, and I'm quoting here, even though Uber is a technology company and not a transport provider, it just isn't up to the challenge of storing documents on computers. What they need to do is stop trying to be so ambitious and just order some filing cabinets and keep driver's docs in there. Problem solved. So this speaks to like, you know, um, well, I think it's, it, it's, it's it, the guy is obviously joking because Uber likes to say we're a technology company, we're not a, a cab company, or we're not a transport company. But um, I guess the point is, if you're a technology company, you should probably know how to store this stuff securely and not share it with everyone. Right. And... You know, there's so many startups right now, and I feel like 
document storage is probably the last thing that they're thinking of because I know a bunch of people who work for startups and uh, I guess here in New York and you know most of those places don't even have an HR department when they start it's just like a couple people with an idea and they just make it and then it works and then they hire more people and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and at some point they decide to start caring about security hopefully they were kind of thinking about that at the beginning but you know, Uber is a cab company, uh, you know, rideshare company. They're not a security company. And it has shown time and time again, they don't know how to deal with security. And uh, I'm sure they have many security focused people at this point. But once you're trying to kind of like retrofit a solution onto a broken system, it's way harder to, to figure it out. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, it's always hard to, I mean, your point about startups is definitely valid. You know, like when you have a startup, uh, data security is not your first concern. And also like, you know, hackers and security people are expensive. So you're, they're not the first people that you hire when, when you're in a startup. But that being said, and you know, it's not like to bash Uber, but uh, you know, like if you're a company that has very sensitive data, such as, you know, wherever I'm going at night or, what time I'm taking a certain trip or my credit card data and you grow this big, you should probably like really take this seriously. And, and in a way, like they are, they are you know, they hired um, Facebook's former uh, head of security, who was like a really well-respected well guy in the industry. They just hired the two hackers who hacked a Jeep while it, it was on the highway. So they, they seem to be taking these things very seriously, but you know, this, glitches keep happening and um, it's it's starting to be a, uh, you know we're starting to see that like they need to they really need to step it up the response at this point seems to be I mean you mentioned that they're taking this seriously and the response to this seems to be sorry we fixed it quickly it wasn't so bad and that's always the response it's always like oops like we fixed it um, we take this seriously what like should the response be and uh at what point is you know sorry not enough yeah because like the t-mobile hack happened earlier this month and their response was basically like sorry we lost all of our customers social security numbers um you know here's some identity theft software being you know offered by the people who lost your social security number in the first place and it just seems like the response is always sorry it's never like here's 50 free uber rides here is a bunch of money here is we're going out of business because we can't do this we suck as a company you know it's never that yeah i mean i guess you know maybe the the honest answer is that there really isn't like the a good way to uh, respond to these incidents but at the same time, yeah, maybe free Uber rides would be good for users or in the case of drivers, maybe like a higher, you know, higher share of the profits. Um, but this is not completely out of the picture. Like if this, um, if the drivers decide to sue Uber because they lost their data, they might, I mean, I'm not like a lawyer and I'm not totally uh, an expert in these issues, but I think they might have a case because they lost tax forms, they lost scans of driver's license. I mean, this is not like, we're not talking about you know your facebook likes you know it's like very sensitive data and they might have a case and if they do a class section lawsuit maybe they'll get some money back right all right what else what are you what are you working on carrie and lorenzo 
Carrie's like inching away from the microphone because she doesn't want to talk anymore. Podcasts are weird. What's so weird? Um, I'm trying to think of what I'm working on. I don't know. I'll I'm, just wait until my friends come to me with another look at this creepy thing this, Facebook is doing story. This is not coming out until Friday, right? Or It's coming out this Friday, yeah. Okay. So I can say what I'm working on. You can, or you can't, it won't be yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's embargoed until tonight, but... So. Oh, yeah, go ahead, what's up? Um, well, it's, do we care? It's like Finn Fisher, it's very... No, we don't. It's more security stuff. Lorenz has always got security scoops, and he's also always able to talk on the podcast, so we talk about a lot of security stuff. Um, I'm working on a couple mysteries, and I can't tell you about them because they're going to be for future podcast episodes and things of that nature. But I will tell you that on Friday, last Friday, I went to an Alice in Wonderland 150th anniversary um, like conference on the Upper West Side to interview a 91-year-old NASA scientist. And that's going to be a podcast, and I'm really excited about it. That's a really weird situation. Yeah, it's doesn't get any less weird if I told you anything more about it, which I can't, but... Uh, it will be coming to an episode soon, hopefully. And ghost things. Oh yeah, I didn't. I'm trying to find the most effective way to talk to ghosts. That's my next motherboard investigation. Yeah. I'm a spirit box, which is the greatest thing I've ever expensed to vice. Yeah, we are doing Fear Week. Um, I believe our podcast in the next week will be all about scary things, and Carrie is going to talk to ghosts. Yeah. Tell spirit us more box. about Spirit Box. I'm kind of unclear on what it is, um, but you can communicate with spirits via, like, radio. Is it here? You can walkie-talkie. Do you have it? No, I looked at my apartment. Have you, like, looked into it? Have you opened it? I turned it on. You turned it on? Are you part of a... Are you sure? They didn't talk to me, at least. I know exactly what's going to happen, and sorry if I scare you, but during the middle of the night someday it's gonna start going off and that's basically how every horror movie about spirit electronics works i think you have to like close the door to the other world after you talk to them oh my god or else it's, they get it was out in the amazon comments it was like make sure you do the correct ceremony to close the doorway to the other world after you use this did you close it after using it yesterday um no so they're just streaming so in here. Actually. Wait, you used it here? No. So just my apartment? Did you, they call yeah. me? I, I mean, you could be uh, possessed. Seems chill. <laughs> You've been acting super weird, like, like the devil, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Lorenzo, toss me that ball. Let's see. That's how you catch it. Anyways, thank you for listening. Um, next week, we will have a podcast all about scary things. And hopefully, we're going to interview some uh, ghost experts and maybe talk to Carrie about her spirit box some more. Can I have um, a ghost on the podcast, too? I'll bring my ghost. The one that's falling. Yeah, we'll have a ghost. Um, this week, Brian Merchant is on a boat in the Pacific Ocean, and he took our recording equipment with him. So... If this podcast sounds any different than the others, that's why. Uh, and hopefully he comes back with a good podcast. Otherwise, I'm going to be super upset. Anyways, thank you for listening. This is Jason, Lorenzo, Carrie, and Nicholas. Uh, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.